welcome <laughs> on the island for season 42's final breakdown episode. I'm Taylor Gaines, and with me, as always, he's the GOAT, but he makes a pretty good case for himself. It's Tyler B. Commons. Hey, it's me, the greatest of all time GOAT, not the one you take as like a... I, see, I hate that GOAT is now greatest of all time. Like, it just... <laughs> I don't know when that changed like 10 years ago is my guess. Maybe a little longer before that. But goat was always like a bad thing. And then all of a sudden someone was like, nah, Michael's the goat. And now everybody's the goat. I think it's either either way is like unfair to goats. Because I think goats, they're working hard, walking around, sleeping, eating and stuff. And they either have to be viewed as the greatest of all time or the worst. Like that's... That's a, that's really unfair expectations to goats. There's no more average goats allowed in this world. <laughs> They're kicked off the island way earlier. This is not, yeah, this is not one of those everybody gets a trophy type societies. Like if you're a goat, it's either all in or all out. <laughs> and uh, I was clearly all in. I mean, if you see our point breakdown, but we'll get to that. Oh, Can I say I when you I don't want to talk about the, the fantasy survivor. <laughs> fantasy was good to me this year, this season. But I will say, this has nothing to do with the show, which is why I want to get it out of the way. When you did your O-A-O-A-O-A-I little intro, they actually got that song and worked it into the final episode, and I legit had goosebumps, because I don't normally see that, and I don't know if they even do it at all anymore, but I was like, yes, the song made it. Like this, That's like the nostalgia, emotional attachment I have whenever I hear the song. Wait, was it at the beginning, or was it like laced in the middle somewhere? It was it was towards the beginning, but it was like a subtle background, but you could definitely hear. I It was weird. So, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes into this episode, I was like, can TV shows win like best score Emmys for one episode? Not for like the whole show because they just get rid of their great music. But like the first 25 or 30 minutes, they brought in a bunch of themes that they hadn't used for a long time. And I was just sitting there with like goosebumps, maybe tears. I'm not going to admit whether that really happened, but I was all about it. To answer your question, I I don't know if you can win for individual episodes. I'm pretty sure you can get nominated for scoring a television show. I know that the Mandalorian had a score that was pretty popular. Other shows, Succession's got <laughs> a good one. I think um, I will say. I think they should have John Williams score the next season of Survivor because you know how each Star Wars character gets like their own theme. It's like here's Leia's theme and Han's theme and Luke's theme and etc. Mm-hmm. I think they I think they should do that for Survivor so that when a character shows up, you hear their theme and you know it's them. Like I, I think that was somewhat successful last season because they had was it Shan who whenever she lied they would play a certain theme music for her lying. I I think they should bring that back for, for whoever is on the cast, you know, just, I want a composer to write 18 theme songs for 18 casters. (laughs) They've all got their special every time we see them. So I'm seeing outstanding sound editing in 2013. These are nominations. They didn't win. Oh, mixing. Yeah. 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 Sound editing, mixing. There's a ton of picture editing and cinematography. Um, Jeff Probst has won best best host multiple times um but i'm not seeing there's more sound mixing but there's definitely no score so survivor i want you to get your music into it more get the goosebumps like taylor said write a theme for all 18 contestants i don't care win this emmy for me (laughs) no score on the scoreboard either ty survivor ends in only one way parchment names on parchment Whoever has the most parchments with their name on it. (laughs) That's who wins Survivor, Ty. And this year, we had a pretty good finale. Totally not a score. Like, the numbers of the names on the parchment, like, that, you know, no one keeps tally or track. It's a a tally, clearly, not a score. No, big difference. Um, We're going to spoil from this point out, I think, what happened on the season finale of Survivor Season 42 theme none. But Ty, what did you think of this 
this this uh what 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 do I what word do I want to use? If I could only use one word to describe the finale, I would say this really entertaining. Dang it, that's two words. Uh how about this mm, satisfying finale? Ooh, that is, is that a too, good is word. that too timid? It makes it sound like really like ah, eh, it was fine. Oh, it makes it sound like uh the end of a book or a movie when it's a reality show. So it's kind of both. Maybe it's, it's wrong. It's kind of a movie in 13 chapters, which is a book. Which is a TV show. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think it was I think it was very good. We talked about it a lot in our last episode. It really felt like there was only one way this episode was going to go, and it delivered on that. Um, now, the, the point to get to the finale of Marianne taking it, which was fairly obvious, um, was exciting, and there was buildup, and you got to... Uh, see people fighting for their lives in Lindsay and Romeo, especially, you know, both of them gave it their all. And it, it was an exciting episode. Satisfying, I think is a terrific word to describe it. And it, it was a lot of fun. You know, we had those two challenges and at one point, Jonathan was just staring at Mike, like, go get it, bro. <laughs> like we got this. So there was just, yeah, it, just uh, it gave was, up completely. There was just a lot of different things happening in this episode. So it uh, remained entertaining. It remained engaging. It remained exciting, even though you kind of could have guessed the way it was going before we even got to it. Yeah, Marianne. Marianne O'Ketch, the second Canadian Survivor winner and second in a row as well. Incredible performance by her, a very young castaway. I just thought that when it came down to the final tribal council, there's a lot of different dynamics we could talk about that were at play with the three remaining castaways in the jury. But I think the thing that stood out to me, at least as a viewer watching from home, was that amongst Marianne, Mike, and Romeo, I think they all did about as good of a job as I've ever seen a trio do in a final tribal council to the extent that I, I don't even know if this is an interesting place to start the conversation, but I even felt like Romeo made a pretty good argument for where he actually was in the game. Like I had never seen such a strong argument from a clearly third place finisher as I have from Romeo. Yeah. I think he argued. Um, I, I th- think he maybe brought up a few too many times how he was on bottom because he like that was the one sympathy he was trying to play um but like we said he didn't really seem to have a whole lot of strategy he was hitching his wagon to stay alive a lot of the season yeah i just thought it was an interesting argument to be like i knew i was on the bottom and i played the only way i could play from the bottom which was to survive and to constantly try to shift around and just figure out how to get to the end and i i loved we we kind of joked as the season went on that he seemed to have no idea who to vote for at any particular tribal council and just seemed to be throwing random votes around. And his argument for that was even kind of compelling and funny because he just said that he didn't want to like make any enemies. So he, <laughs> so he was just like, I'm just not gonna just not gonna vote for the person who's going out, you know, because I want him to like me. Yeah, and I, it's it's good to see that he played the best game he could from the situation he was in but on like a a personal level like i feel bad for the guy because he really left that game and it didn't seem like he's leaving in as tight-knit of a community as the rest of this uh season especially Jurion formed into he was always there i mean we talked about drea's speech already when she was leaving it was kind of awkward what she said to Romeo. It was like, hey, keep fighting. Like something generic. So I I do think that he had a really good final tribal council in saying, guys, you basically all put me in a corner this entire season and I was fighting and I outlasted all of you. And I tried to do it in a way that wasn't going to piss off any of the jury members. And maybe you would still be sympathetic and see... I, he was backed in a corner and he played the best game he could, which a lot of times felt like not playing. But he owned it and, and did everything he could to be in that final three, including winning the final immunity challenge. So he 
he was able to play with the cards he was dealt, even though he was dealt a pair and everyone else had at least a three of a kind. <laughs> yeah, an incredibly impressive win at the final immunity challenge. It really felt like this can't possibly happen, can it? And then it you, it just was amazing that it, it was kind of a lesson in, I don't know, just being kind to everyone and around you, right? Because they could have easily ostracized him to the extent that he didn't want to help anyone get to the final three because he was in the position all of a sudden. It was kind of like the bullied kid was all of a sudden in position to decide the fate of the bullies, uh, like if they're going to go to detention or not or something. And he was just kind of like, yeah, it is up to me now. Like I get to decide this and it worked out well for Marianne and we can obviously talk more about her but yeah just an impressive finish for someone who seemed to really struggle and uh at least he got some growth you know like his conversation with high i think was really important for him and for the season and that seemed to resonate at tribal as well but you know solid third place showing for someone who seemed really out of it for such a long long time and honestly as pointless as it was huge win for my fantasy team to have Romeo make the final three. <laughs> he was the only one left from the nine contestants that I drafted in our preseason episode. So that's either an incredible job by me or a horrible job by me to have him be the only one that was left. I, I don't know, but I'll take it. Yeah. He got to some points there at the end, which is always nice. Um, it's nice to go out on a high note, not the ultimate high note. Um, Cause there's only one winner. And we all know that. Um, I will say the funny thing about him winning that final immunity, you were talking about um, bullies and being mean. Can we talk about how much of a jerk Jeff was being? Like oh people went out immediately and he's like, a child could do this. A complete <laughs> moron is the only person that could mess up. This is Survivor. I how trained my dog hard? to do this challenge. <laughs> Yeah, he was he was being relentless in that final. I think to Mike he literally said, but yeah, I think to Mike he literally said, "This is the warm up phase of the challenge, you dumbass," like (laughs) something like that. Yeah, basically Jeff was not letting them um, down softly. Maybe because it was the final one, and I I don't know. But I was I was cracking up during that time. And uh, I thought it was interesting. We finally got backstory for that game too, that it was just a props department guy. Yeah. had spare that? time and made something fun. And now it's become like a signature show ender. It's a good game. It seems fun. It seems hard. It seems like I would struggle with it even with the proper amount of sleep and nutrition. So I think it it is, it's a fun one. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. We talk about being mean though. I, I, I know just as before I let it escape my mind, one thing you and I always talk about over the years is the backstory we're able to glean from reading up on the season, talking to folks who have been on Survivor. And an interesting thing that popped up since we last talked, or I guess I just hadn't totally read everything that was out there last time we last talked, was Omer in some of his exit interviews talked about getting a really chilly reception from folks at Ponderosa and having read that he he even mentioned that some people he didn't really say specifically who had had crossed the line and made him feel really unwelcome and uncomfortable on Ponderosa which is always upsetting to hear but knowing that context I think actually lent some insight into what was happening with the jury because i thought watching this episode also that this was like a particularly bitter salty jury like in the end they weren't when they finally came down to vote but it seemed like throughout a lot of the questioning they didn't really respect any of the players games very much like they were kind of like to each person they had a different version of the same question which was so it looks like you played the game this way and we all hate that. So tell us why what we saw was wrong, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it definitely felt like outside of Omer, I thought Omer's questions were great and that's why he let off at least in the edit. And, you know, he was very trusting in what they were 
the uh, final contestants were telling him. But yeah, everyone else was almost like, you're there, now prove to me. Because from what I saw, you didn't do anything. And it's like, no, we're still here, clearly. And Marianne obviously got a lot of recognition on the Omer vote. Um, but yeah, I definitely noticed How about Jonathan, a lot of- though, trying to basically take credit for that vote, which like maybe is what happened, but it was not what we were presented. Because what we were shown on television mm-hmm. was... Her trying to convince Jonathan and Mike and them both being like, I don't know. I don't know if now's the time to get Omer. So like seeing him take credit for it in the finale at the tribal was very strange. Yeah. And just knowing we have to remember um, perception is reality. That's just such a big phrase that's come up uh, in this podcast and just in life. What people see is what they think. So we... So what we got to see was, yeah, Marianne trying to sway Jonathan and Mike and Jonathan was like, no, that was me. You know, just another case of one of the jury members kind of being salty, which I I found actually strange because everybody leaving seemed like they were leaving friends. It wasn't there wasn't anyone that was like, man, screw all y'all. I'm going out and I'm going to you know hang out in Ponderosa and I'm going to roast you in the final tribal. But yeah, they definitely had a, you're there, but you haven't proven anything. Prove it right now. And I, I thought that was kind of unfair. I mean, again, we always talk about edits. Romeo clearly seemed like he did have to prove something. Um, Mike seemed like he had to prove something strategically. Marianne, until an episode ago, felt like she had to prove something. But it was the way that it was asked. It wasn't just facts being presented by an unbiased jury. It was a jury that was very biased and salty about not being there. <laughs> yeah, that's not something we talk about enough on Survivor is the fact that uh, what it's modeled after, which is like, or I guess <laughs> not what it's modeled after, but like when we think of the word jury, we think of, you know, an ob- objective group of your peers who know nothing about your case and you're just presenting it to them but (laughs) that's very much not what survivor is they all are too familiar um with what's happened to the extent that they probably do harbor some feelings and i i i really struggle looking at that jury to think like who was it that was mean to omer and like what was going on there but outside of that to your point i i think it really was because of their posture towards the final three it was interesting to see how those finalists stood up for themselves or argued for themselves because it really felt like those who did it well made up some ground and those who didn't lost obviously specifically talking about marianne and mike because i think there were large chunks of this season where mike felt like a potential favorite to win and even heading into the final tribal, he was carrying himself in a way that felt like he thought he could win. Like, I was a man of integrity. I played really well. I've led a lot, a lot of strategic decisions. But he wasn't able to adjust quickly enough to that perception you're talking about of how he was viewed. And it, you could see him kind of stumble through it. Meanwhile, Marianne is, is giving, like, pretty good answers and saving like this huge bomb for the end. And it was by the time that came, it just felt like the end of the Kentucky Derby or something. Like she had like pulled so far away that it was like, up, oh, it's over now. Yeah. I think Marianne definitely dominated the conversations. Her answers were the best. And we've said Mike and Romeo both had fairly decent final tribals. I think that Mike going into it, we were kind of told he was everybody's favorite person. But then the jury, like you're saying, it might've been just them being salty. They kind of ripped him to shreds when they were like, Oh, you talk about being uh, true to yourself and true to your word and blah, blah, blah. But what about this time? What about this time? Justify this, justify getting rid of me. And he's like, I had to, I, this was my number one. And I was true to my number one. You weren't my number one. And they kind of tore him apart for that. Where yeah, he didn't feel side, like the jury's favorite person. No, he didn't, which was odd because we were kind of being told he was. But on the flip side of that, Marianne, I think, had a great answer 
at least from what we see, I mean, we've heard from contestants that tribals can last hours and hours and hours, and we only get 10 to 15 minutes, a little bit longer in this final episode. She had a great answer for every single question in that she answered like, at this point in the game, I was playing this way. And then I realized I was on the bottom and I had to completely shift the way I was playing and I was building up, building up, building up. And then at this point I said, okay, I have to take the reins. Otherwise I'm going to be next gone. And she took the reins, which Jonathan argued he did. But her answers were saying like, she could make a solid argument for almost what she did for the whole 29 days or 26 days. Well, Which a lot of contestants, you don't see able to make a cohesive argument. They kind of segment it into, well, these three days I did this, and these three days I did this. Marianne talked about the entire evolution of her game from being in that awkward, loud, young person phase where we did see her bickering with Jonathan to like, hey, I need to take control strategically. I need to make these friends. I need to move forward at this point. Otherwise, I have no shot. And whether that's true or not, the way she argued it made it sound true. And what I liked about that argument was that she conceded failure, right? Like she wasn't like, I think a lot of people sit down in Final Tribal and say, nothing I did was a mistake. I'm, I might have hurt your feelings and that sucked and I didn't want to do that but everything I did was intentional and I had this cohesive strategy from day one and it went amazingly. And I just really liked that she took a tack of like, actually, yeah, I was struggling uh, with the first half. I wasn't really playing the best. I kind of fell out of things a little bit, but I rebounded and I did this, this, and this. And then when she pulled the hidden immunity idol out, you could just feel like everything shifted. And, and, it's one of those things that I think watching from home, you're like, is this that big of a deal? She was hiding an immunity idol. Like, okay, she didn't even use it. So how is this that important? But I think in this day and age, when you have 18 super fans coming out to play Survivor and the seven or eight, nine people on the jury have been sitting at Ponderosa for days talking about every single thing they know because now they're out of the game. It doesn't matter. They're like sharing every piece of information they have. I think for there to be a piece of information that no one knows at all, like it didn't even have the opportunity to go out and be like twisted or altered or like used somehow. Like the fact that just no one knew it at all, I think understandably hit them extremely hard because they were just like, how could we not know something? And she also weaved it into a story which was telling them this is how I ensured my way to being here. There was no way once I got to five or whatever that I was going to go home because I had this plan and it really gave her a lot of agency that the jury was not assigning her previous to that. Yeah. When she pulled that out, it was um, much more dramatic than when Romeo pulled his out and was like, Hey guys, I have this idol. It's uh it's fake. Jeff, I'm going to throw it in the fire. <laughs> Um, but what you're saying is absolutely true because you don't get a lot of secrets on the show anymore because everybody talks to everybody. We talk about it. There's not necessarily like two camps pitted against each other, like old school survivor to borrow that phrase that's going around. It's everybody tries to know what everybody's doing and to be able to keep a secret from everybody is like darn near impossible. We saw Mike promise his idol to one person and then half commit to two other people. And all of a sudden, everybody knew all of those. Yeah. So it's like anything you say, anything you say is told to everybody nowadays. So it's it's like it, a big part of it is social game on top of strategic game with then strategic game on top of social game. So there's just... There's so many different layers and the fact that Marianne was able to keep that to herself as an insurance policy, but then also not have to play it. So if she did have to play it at five, everyone would have been like, that's crazy. You still have it. But the fact that she was able to set herself up for victory and hold on to it, like you said, just shows 
the jury shows us at home that she had way more going on than we thought she did. And what's what's interesting to me too is this final three was not a final three with particularly close alliances. Like part of the reason her move worked so well is because she didn't have a person. Like there wasn't a ride or die with her who was going to be disappointed that they didn't know that information. This is kind mm-hmm. of a season of people holding each other at arm's length a little bit. Like I never really felt like, oh, this is a power couple to watch out for. Everyone was very fluid, very in between alliances, very, you know, on their own throughout the whole thing. And it it made for a really interesting season and a really compelling last several episodes. I think the challenge of Survivor the last several seasons and, and maybe forever, I don't know, maybe maybe this is something we could reassess if we went back and watched early Survivor seasons, but it just feels like the more of it I watch, the more I'm like, oh, the way to win Survivor is to be like the sixth best player of the group. Because without fail, I think the top three or four people get voted out way before the final three. And sometimes when the top people do make the final three, they take way too much flack for it. So it's like, in a sense, if you're actually really good at the game of Survivor, you will never win. And the way to win is to be just pretty good. Yeah, it's like the the peasant revolt wins every single time. And we talked about it. We've talked about it like a ongoing droning record for seasons and seasons. Hydrea and Omar felt like the three best players. Once once we made the merge, those three felt like the ones that were in the driver's seat, capable, making plays, knowing what was happening. And they go out just before the final episode or two episodes before the final episode. And it's like, I don't know if there's a particular way to fix that. Because what takes skill is being able to dictate um, vote outs and dictate alliances and shifting puzzle pieces and in that case a lot of times they don't have a whole ton of advantages i i don't know why those two things seem to correlate but i i don't think that it's just a weird spitballing idea out there that i'm not going to say is like a definitive thought but the the best people do tend to make the merge i'll say that generally happens but that kind of middle section of the jury or the first half of the section of the jury tend to have the players that we view as power players, as dominant players. And then it's like you're saying the sixth best person winning. I don't, I don't know if Marianne was sixth best, fifth best, fourth best, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I don't, whatever. I don't mean to just besmirch her. Cause like as much right. as I think those three were probably the best three players, I, I do think she was a deserving winner. But, but uh, if you even go back to think. winners at war with Tony yeah. winning, was Tony well, see, the best player on that? Or was he just in the best alliance with Sarah and Mike? And you know what I'm saying? He but at least there's an argument like, for Tony, right? Like, n- not that there wasn't an argument for... I guess what I'm saying is, like, there's an argument that Tony dominated that season at several points. And in a way, like, these these past few newbie seasons make it all the more impressive when someone is playing really well the entire time. Like you look at that season that Boston Rob came back and like just bossed a bunch of newbies around and just walked to the victory at the end. Like that kind of thing. It's like you're saying, like, I don't know if there's any fixing the fourth, fifth, sixth best person always wins kind of thing. Or if it just makes it all the more impressive when a really, really good player actually does win. Because obviously the challenge we're kind of talking around here is just that if you make it to the merge and people can tell you're good, then you got to (laughs) go. Like, you kind of have to not be good until... Like, that. that is one thing I would say to Marianne's credit is if she was strategizing this big crescendo the whole time, she waited until the exact right moment to enact it. Like it wasn't too early. It wasn't too late. She knows, I guess it's like 
she knows from watching Modern Survivor that the point where she hit go is the point where you ha- where you have to hit go and you can't do it a second sooner or a second later, you know? Yeah, you can do it in the uh, last episode when you're brought back from Exile Island. It's it's what ha- happens at the end of the game seems to outweigh what happens in the first 20 plus days. What we're, We have 26 day seasons now. So what happens in the first 20 days? I'm not going to say it feels irrelevant because these people have to get here. But what happens in the end is so much more important. And I think that speaks to the word that kept bouncing around in my head as you were talking is paranoia. Everybody's paranoid of everybody. So they talk to everybody, but don't trust anybody. So it's like, even if you say you have a ride or die, at some point, you know,�����������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������
in the NBA finals or something. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wow, I, I forgot what this dude was like. He was just like <laughs> scoring so easily every single time. Look it up. It's good stuff. It is good stuff. But I mean, yeah, to your point, it, it is tough in a game like Survivor that is social and strategy. And anytime you make the merge and you go, oh, that person has a better shot. Let's get rid of them. That's the most strategic way. You say, hey, look, Taylor and Ty, we got to get together because Michelle's going to beat us. Like, let's just get rid of Michelle. So that's what we did this podcast. We got rid of the, we got rid of the best one. But it's I want to see, and like you're saying, everyone's going to play that way until somebody comes in and changes it. And I don't know if that's on Survivor to change it. I don't know if that's on a cast member's changing it. I don't know if that's yeah, how do we get rid of I'm going to I'm going to continue my argument of the paranoia. How do we get rid of people saying, oh, that person's better than me. Let's get rid of them. How do we get a group of strong players to get together and say, let's work together until the final five. And well, at that point, it all breaks loose. I think the challenge is that and th- this happens with with sports, I suppose, too, is like, I don't think survivor views the paranoia as a bug uh, as much as they view it as a feature like i think Mm. that they're like into it because they just keep introducing more and more advantages (laughs) and idols and things because they want people to be paranoid they want it to feel like everyone could flip the game at any moment right like they want there to be a time capsule advantage but they also want anyone who could be voted out to have a chance to do the uh, lucky strike uh, do or die thing. I forget what it's called. Point being, I just think like there's not really room for players to change the game because the survivor gods like hand of it is so heavy. And and obviously there's luck involved too, right? I mean, luck is a part of sports that people don't like to talk about because it's indefinable and boring. But like to make one final sports analogy, like you could be the best team for all 82 games of a basketball season or like 162 games of a baseball season or a whole 17, 16 game NFL season, however many they're playing now. And that doesn't mean you're going to win. Like the playoffs are a different thing, you know, and Mm. anybody who's watched sports has seen that time and time again. And like that happens a lot with survivor too. You can get down to the final six, seven, eight, and you could have been the best player to that point, but it doesn't mean anything unless you can figure out how to play in this new stage of the game. And I think that's hard for people to learn when Survivor keeps changing what the stages of the game are. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, I like that. I like that point that you made of maybe as a viewer, a longtime viewer, I need to adjust what my view of the best player in the game is because it, Maybe the best player is the Marianne who waits till the right time to strike and doesn't make a move early. Now, she, I think she faltered a little bit earlier on than we were comfortable seeing. But yeah, I, as a viewer, maybe the change should be on me and not on the show. You know, am I just grumpy old man complaining? It's well, not the show I watched for the last 20 years. Well, here's my grumpy old man thing that I would say is like one last point on this, like, high level state of survivor conversation. I think the best thing the show could do for itself is to downplay the game part. What I mean is they've become so caught up in advantages and idols and immunity challenges, reward challenges, votes, like those are important to survivor. You need those things. But I think as a television show, as a production team, they are emphasizing parts that are not going to stick with us. Like we're not going to remember them, you know, like there's too much of it for us to remember what this advantage does or what a knowledge's power advantage is. Like, I don't know what that means where for, for instance, like Brie and I, my girlfriend, we've been watching top chef the last couple seasons. And I don't know if you've seen top chef, Ty, have you seen top chef? I think I've caught an episode or two, but please it's, explain it to me because I don't know. It's one of those cooking shows, except like 
there's some um there's some amount of like this feels like survivor ish uh cooking show like it's not like i'm guy fieri and you're gonna spin this wheel and then you have to cook what the wheel says or whatever it's like we're bringing 18 of the best chefs in the world here or however many 14 i don't know and we're gonna have a competition each week there's gonna be a basically a reward challenge and immunity challenge and someone's gonna go home and the reason the show works in my opinion of the two seasons that i've that, that i've seen so no one come at me if you're like a top chef stan is they really focus on the characters so much and the and the contestants that by the time you get to like the final four or five six which has happened both of the seasons that i've watched you don't want anyone to go home like you're really really emotionally attached to all of them in a way that like is 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 gripping like we watched um last week i think they got down from five to four i won't like spoil anything but the person who went home we were like crying we were like no no but then we're like (laughs) but then we're like who would you rather have gone home and we're like none of them we love all of them (laughs) and like i think that's something survivor is missing in the current iteration of it because it's so focused on advantages and stuff that i don't really know that much about any of the people like just a little bit past the surface you know yeah i think that the the person they did that the best with this season and maybe that's just because his story was important although you have people like omer who was out there playing for his father who passed away and stuff but even that's overshadowed like we got to see rock story saying you know this is one of the last sunsets i'm gonna see like i know i'm gonna go blind oh my god but on the same so i was like i was really moved at that point to care about rock story who i hadn't cared about for much of the season before that and he even went on one of those like hiking excursions where you flip the wheel that was at the beginning of the season. Like, yeah, do people remember that that was this season? I don't know. I don't know who won those. I don't know who lost those. I don't know who got gained advantages. I don't know who betrayed the other two when they were walking away. Like, I don't, to your point, I don't remember any of that. And that's I not the... what you ever will remember, you know? Like, right. Y- what you'll remember is Roxroy talking about going blind or. Romeo and High talking about what it's like being the only gay person in their family or whatever. Like those kinds of things are how you really build TV characters outside mm-hmm. of them just being like outright villains, which we haven't had in a while, obviously. And uh, yeah, I just think Survivor is trying so hard to reinvent itself that it's kind of losing focus on what makes a show work. And I say all of that with the caveat that this was a pretty good season you know yeah i i definitely enjoyed this season and uh i there was definitely people on it that uh i ended up kind of liking a little bit i said from the beginning you know i like jonathan because he was gonna break the big strong man mold um i liked mike because he was also gonna break the big strong man mold also we of course have to shout out Lindsay for far exceeding our expectations based off of the one dalton ross interview that we watched but shout out to them you know it was like it, it was a weird final five but it, but a, like a solid one I, I i always think it's funny when you get down to five and all of a sudden the narrative shifts to like Lindsay's the biggest threat she's gonna win so we have to get rid of her and you're like no one was talking about this before and all of a sudden it's like all everyone's talking about like that kind of survivor editing always confuses me but what can you do yeah ab- abrupt editing is tough but I'm in the same boat as you. This was a really good season. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I've famously said I didn't even watch 41 because after famously, after it's all anyone episodes, can talk about. Uh, anyone who listens to this podcast, that's all they talk <laughs> about. They go, "Why didn't I watch 41?" I don't know. It was pretty good. I, I just couldn't get past it. They weren't characters that I loved, and it had advantage apocalypse. And this season had a lot of advantages but it did have one or two characters that i was like i like them i want to see how they interact with the people and and i think to your point people are what make this show not twists not advantages those create i think those create the dopamine hits but if you want like the overall nostalgic feel let me know these people you know like i i don't know in three seasons, am I going to sit back and think of somebody in this season as a character that I loved? 
Should we do a Top Chef podcast, Ty? I don't know. I'd have to start a whole new thing. How do you how do you feel about fine dining? Fine dining? That's okay. I really like watching Chopped. Just <laughs> Chopped. the quick, Chopped the quick is good. one hour. Yeah. It is good. And they have to make like everybody makes a puree out of like toast, oh. cranberries, and rotten eggs. Yeah, we and love like, purees. Yeah. I'm like, oh, so you literally just put this stuff in a blender and call it a puree. I love it. <laughs> I, I have an admission too, Ty. You were talking about not watching season 41. I just realized, now that we're talking about it, that I have to admit something. Uh, I think for the first time since we've at least been doing this podcast, I didn't even watch the reunion part before we started recording. I totally <laughs> forgot to. I, it was late. I was feeling sick and it ended and I was like, I'm going to bed. And now I'm realizing that I did not watch it. It was um, awkward. <laughs> say the least because they did it they i i heard on 41 they did it live right after tribal yeah. and they did that again here and they like to praise the crew and they were like this person bringing you a drink that's a camera boy this person's <laughs> a grip child this person's like <laughs> they're a writer and i'm like okay cool like i don't that's a fine grip child <laughs> <laughs> i don't know the name of uh, isn't there like a best boy and a I think grip best cameraman a and, uh, i i I want grip child to be a thing now. <laughs> I think there's a camera thing that has to do with grip. I feel like there is. And they just talked about the show being a family. And uh, it was, I will say, as someone who didn't watch 41, it was interesting to see them have to react without having watched the whole season to see what everyone else was doing. So there was still mysteries, and Jeff tried to prod into those a little bit. But it was it was interesting. I think I would have had more fun watching them come back, you know, either what six months or a year later, almost from the time of filming. Um, but yeah, my, my understanding, the world by we, the way, the pandemic is, world we yeah. live in. It's yeah, not I think possible from what I read, they felt like having to reveal the winners at war winner over zoom was like a disaster. And mm-hmm. I think they were really afraid of having that happen ever again. So I don't know that they're ever going to do a live reunion show. Also, we've talked about this before, and it's just the way of the world, but whenever they prove, like, hey, we could actually just film every season in Fiji, then the people who make the money decisions at CBS and Paramount are going to be like, okay, well, then we're definitely not going to up and move the entire production every single season. Let's keep it in Fiji forever. And... I think the same thing probably happened in a couple ways in these past two seasons, which is number one, they realized, oh, we can do it in 25 days and not have to pay the cast and crew an extra like two weeks to take care of all these people or whatever. Like, guess we're going to do 25 days from now on. And then they learned, oh, we don't have to spend, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on putting together a live reunion show, booking this space, organizing this, getting it on TV, blah, blah, like doing it live. Like they realized they can also just do that without having to pay for all that. Well, that's never coming back now either. You know, it's all just money. (laughs) I think. I mean, I absolutely agree. That's a very cynical view, but it's also a very (laughs) true view in just the world we live in. So yeah, it was it was definitely an awkward reunion show because you could tell Romeo, Mike, and Marianne hadn't had any time to digest anything. And they're just sitting there being like bombarded with questions. And it's like, oh, I've got the high of I just won. Now I don't know what to say. And Romeo just kept being like, I fought and I made final three. And I feel like Miss Universe. And I get to tell those girls that, you know, keep fighting. And he like did, he kept talking about the girls he, a lot. It was the stuff old, you already yeah. heard. So it was it was a little awkward in that sense. And you didn't get to see, you know, people come back like 30 pounds heavier than they yeah. were in like a healthy sense. Not like, a, oh, this person's overweight now. Like it was it was just it was good. But I, I didn't enjoy it quite as much as the big finale reunion shows, which I'm sure super crazy. Anything else we should actually talk about from the finale itself? I feel like we zoomed out into like our classic big picture conversation. I don't know if there's anything from this two plus hours that you really wanted to hit on. Some good challenges. I love I love the station challenges. I think those are really fun when they have to go like here and back and here and back. Yeah, we talked about Romeo winning. Mike won, won an immunity, which was fun. And it was just really joyful to hear him keep saying how he waited 21 years for it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There There wasn't... A lot of memorable moments. I, maybe that's 
calls back to the conversation we were just having. But uh, outside of the final tribal council itself, I don't know that anything else is really going to stick with me from this particular finale. Uh, what about you? Yeah, it, it it goes back to how we started. Um, it was a satisfying episode. Um, it wasn't necessarily fireworks. It wasn't a big explosion. It wasn't a big boom because we talked about it in our <laughs> penultimate episode. It really looked like Marianne was going to win it. And lo and behold, she did. So there there wasn't any particularly crazy gameplay i mean you had that little argument between Lindsay and jonathan when mike took jonathan to go eat and Lindsay was again salty on this theme of people being salty they didn't win but like i said earlier it's a bunch of dopamine hits and it's not like long-term memory things that are gonna sit there so entertaining fun exciting but not not long-term gonna stick out in my mind I think we really hit on something in this conversation. I think we, we came to some revelations about the true nature of Survivor and what it's like to be a grit boy on Survivor. <laughs> I think that, um, as usual, if they want to call us up, have us consult on the show somehow, I, we're available. You know, Ty's really available. <laughs> I'm so available. I'm off work at three every day. So just, you know, as long you can call me before five o'clock. Plus you're in LA. So like it'll be 10 o'clock in the morning when I'm done working for you guys. So just yeah, give exactly. me a call. I think you're, yeah, you yeah. I think you got your time zones do, exactly right there. Exactly right. No, it'd be 12, but call me up. Um, I'll tell you, uh, a start changing locations again, please. Even if it's like three locations and you just rotate it or something, I just think we got to have... That's one thing that like, I really like. If they're going to if they're gonna go for it, let's just do like Survivor Los Angeles. And they're just like <laughs> in a movie theater for like three weeks or something. I don't know. Turn the AC off. Watch what happens. <laughs> Survivor CBS backlot. And they're literally <laughs> just running from movie set to movie set. And like <laughs> that's their challenges. That would be interesting. Who's the most celebrity person you can knock over? <laughs> go. Um, yeah, so, uh, really good. Like we said, I'd still love to be on the show, Jeff. I mean, I, think I our next haven't submission, applied for a few seasons, but yeah, I think our next application we should do as a duo just to try to like get ahead on any potential like duo season that they have coming up. Like a, like a blood versus water kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. Yeah. Bring it on. I'll, I'll fight you. Bring back the, oh man. They haven't done the wrestling ones where people almost drown or you got to push people off floating wooden platforms. Gee, I wonder, and I, was why. Thinking, I wonder why they haven't done that in a while. But I was also thinking, even in the like endurance ones, they've like toned those back. Because I remember one in an early season where they just had like poles driven into like the ocean floor. And the tr- the challenge lasted like 10 or 11 hours of people just standing there. And I get it. You don't really want to participate in that. But now it's like, okay, we're going to move you down this board every five minutes. And eventually it's going to be so skinny. You're all gone. And we're done with the challenge in 25 minutes. Yeah. The last moment I really remember like that was the Christian Hubicki versus Alec immunity challenge in whatever season they were on when they were both. I thought it was Christian versus Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) Cause remember Alec like passed out and Christian was like, "Oh, I won," and and that was that was wild. Yeah, I forget, I they forget definitely filmed it like Christian was, was talking for like three hours, which was great. <laughs> yeah, so I guess I should mention Ty kind of already did, and I alluded to it, but yeah, the fantasy survivor did not go well for me. I guess in the end, Marianne and Mike were the only two left for you, but also those were the first and second place finishers, so I think that's pretty good. I don't necessarily want to recap the whole scoring key for how the points work basically we give points for winning challenges for making it to certain stages in the game and uh suffice it to say that ty won by a lot a lot uh 192 (laughs) to 110 so darn near doubled my score any any acceptance speech words that you want to want to give well, I already thank Jeff, Survivor God, and God. So um, I, I just want to say, 
we have a blast doing it. If you're people that watch the show, give it a go with your friends. Um, it's yeah, super TMS. fun. And honestly, remember, we do it for fun. I picked Chanel number one, if I remember properly, and she went out eighth. So my number one pick barely made the top half of the show. So just do it. Have fun with your friends. Enjoy it each season. It's a lot of fun. It was a foregone conclusion that I was winning after the last episode, but it was also a foregone conclusion that Marianne was winning after the last episode. So it just seems very appropriate. Meet little Bo. Well, there you have it. Foregone conclusion. Ty wins. Marianne wins. And we all win because we got to enjoy another fresh, hot out the oven season of Survivor. And uh, I guess there's more coming. Did they tease that in the reunion as well? Yeah, 43 is coming. Um, Drop the four, we, carry the three. We have the first contestant um, that is missing a leg. So oh. that'll be very exciting. I, yeah, I just realized you didn't get to see any of that. No, um, I did not see that. that. That was really the thing. If we talk about things that stick out in my mind, that's the big one. Because you're like, how is this person going to run in the sand with one of those like cool running legs that you see track runners have? So... We'll see. Um, it's it's going to be entertaining again um, right back in Fiji. So I hope since they filmed those two seasons back to back, now that they've had a little adjustment period, they get better. I hope they don't use that time to get worse. <laughs> but even if they same. do, you know, I'll be back. Yeah, same, Ty. I hope that in the off season we don't use the time to get worse either, but I can't make any promises, you know? Yeah, I'm getting old. I might I might start forgetting who you are. My hey, phone will just ring and I'll be like, who is this guy? <laughs> yeah, we're both we're both in our mid seventies. Um <laughs> I think yeah, we we gotta reinvent, you know? But we gotta come up with more advantages, more idols to keep this podcast fresh. Because our <laughs> characters we're not very interesting characters. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we haven't been picked. <laughs> we have to reinvent survivor fantasy we're like i can block you getting points one week just because i'll flip a i'll flip a watch over and we'll turn back time and you don't get any of your points yeah that is that dr strange is that what and happens if you, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> and randomly uh you can ship me like two boxes and I, op- I open one i'm just dead like i'm just out of fantasy it doesn't matter anymore <laughs> little twists that dramatically twists. change the game yeah. All right. Well, from the little twists to the little tease, Taylor and Ty, we are here to say <laughs> that this has been Survivor 42. We have had a great time. You can follow us on the Island Pod on Twitter, and that's pretty much it. Honestly, the social stuff, I, I got to hire a guy, Ty or a girl. I. I'm I don't like doing the social stuff so I, I don't I'm not I don't do it very much. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to keep up. I've given up on my Twitter. I think it's still active, but Yeah, someone's active on it. I who knows who's using it, but Yeah, that's true. I haven't even tried to log in in probably 2 or 3 years. So You've been tweeting a lot about Putin. I don't know what it is. Oh, my good friend Vladimir, just fresh <laughs> out of the hospital. I sent him some flowers. Is was he in the hospital? Did I miss that? Dude, there's just so many stories going around that he had like major surgery a few weeks ago. Not oh. a political podcast, not a basketball <laughs> podcast, um, a very sarcastic podcast. I really hope that comes through. I'm told I don't communicate sarcasm well. <laughs> me and Vladimir are not friends. <laughs> Multiple therapists have told me. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Well, Ty, thanks for coming. And listener, thanks for coming as well. I hope you enjoyed this season, abbreviated season of On the Island, full season of Survivor. We'll be back at some point in the future to talk more about Survivor, more about our lives, and less about basketball. What do you say? No. (laughs) They're getting full basketball every single season. Oh, man. For Tyler B. Commons, I am Taylor Gaines. We will see you next time. I'm a... I'm a... I'm... Did that work? Bye, everybody. Here on the island 
you gotta talk about the show if you wanna live here on the island. Are you gonna survive when you're gonna be a living a life on the island? And you're living a survivor on the island. I'm not good at making these things up as well. <laughs> that is right. Uh,